<laughs> it's going it's out of the bond. <laughs> so the sense of selfing, this feel, this feeling is being produced. You didn't have it when you were a, seemingly a baby yet. Usually they say it starts around between 12 and 18 months. And some research says they believe it coincides with the uh, formulation of the language center. So the language, the, how you're hearing the thoughts in your head is really one of the main ways the mental process reinforces the identification as a self. If you listen to the language, the language is a subjective language used by objects. This is an object, and if you, you think it isn't, well, that's how I can see you. Because yeah, you're a thing. So I see things, and like a great master says, whatever can be perceived... Yeah, can't be perceiving. So, so it isn't the eyes that are looking. Something's looking through. The eyes facilitate vision, but they're not what's seeing. Yeah, and the ears facilitate hearing, but they're not what's hearing. Yeah, you can see a dead body, and nothing's happened to the face, but that eye isn't seeing anything. But if you take it out of that dead body, put it in a live body, it would facilitate seeing again. So it's not the it's not the body that's seeing. So, this sense of self, its main movement, the selfing, is to claim. Yeah? That's its main movement. So, what does it do? It claims a life. Yeah? By claiming activities that are happening that we call life. Faculties and processes like hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, touching, thinking... Uh, all that stuff, yes? All of those things the mental process claims. So, after conscious contact, which is the event of right now, see, consciousness is moving through five gates of this body. So, I'm having an experience of five senses, yeah? Now, if I had 20 sense gates, I'd have 20 different experiences. There's the, the consciousness isn't limited, the gates are limited, yeah? So, there's insects that have seven senses, other things probably have nine or twelve some fucking animals, and some senses are better than other ones, like eagles, their sense of seeing is unbelievable. So, consciousness isn't, is in a way, the experience that consciousness is initiating is defined by the gate it's moving through. So, consciousness or onness or whatever you want to call it, awareness, sees when it moves through the eye. Yeah? And it hears if it moves through, yes. So, but it's not the ear and the eye aren't doing the seeing, but they, the, the consciousness's experience will be defined by what it moves through. Yeah? Yeah. So, so the selfing claims that and says, instead of just feeling like you're alive right now, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, it says that it's you that's seeing, you that's feeling, you that's tasting, you that's touching. Yeah? And then, as soon as that you is placed there, the emphasis isn't on the seeing, it's on the seer and the seen. It's on the feeling and the felt. Yes? This is the, this is the, the, the duality of subject-object. So seeing is happening, but the mental state emphasizes the two, par- the two like poles, the seer and the seen. This is what they call dualism, subject and object, and then duality is how we experience or interpret this place. So close, far, hot and cold, disconnected, connected, love, hate. Yes, there's always every there's like everything is like a, a two sided coin. It doesn't matter how many times you cut the coin, it's still gonna be two sided. Yes, this is duality. But the duality is based on the dualism 
of this of this interesting activity, the mental activity of seeing gets emphasis gets turned into see a scene. And so usually when we're telling something, telling some uh, telling a story about something, we're very rarely say, oh the seeing the seeing was so great. But let me tell you what I saw today. Yeah, I saw all this fucking incredible stuff, and I know you didn't. So yeah, I had a better day than you because I went to Klamath Falls or something like that. And I, but in fact, there was seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. But the mental state doesn't. It forgets that by remembering the seer and seeing. Yeah. So now there's the feeling when consciousness, and it's a sense. You can sense it occurring. When consciousness is moving through the gates, the mental state neuters that experience for you and says, it gives you an interpretation of that movement and says, you're doing it. I'm the one who's seeing. I'm the one who's feeling. I'm the one who's tasting. I'm the one who's touching. Yes, this is the first claiming. And then from there on, it's interpretation built on interpretation, built on interpretation, built on interpretation. It just, in this place of space and time, it geometrically progresses. So one little heist becomes the, the huge, the biggest jewel heist of all time. Because it, it, it multiplies. So the seer and the seen, so the same thing, the same thing gets applied to the thought system. Thoughts are noticed, you hear them, yeah, and you believe they sound like you because you're identified as the body that the vocal cords are producing and you call it you. This is how Paul sounds. This is not how Paul sounds. This is how this body sounds. Yeah, this idea of Paul is just made up. So you, it sounds like you. So you swoon for it much easier. If you had thoughts running in your head and it sounded like Stanley's, you'd have an immunity to them. For, you'd, you, you would turn it off in like a minute or two because you're not interested in Stanley, but you're interested in you. See, this is the bondage of self. There's an act of sort of cherishing. The mental state loves what it's making. Yeah? And it's making a you. And when you become identified with a you, it becomes you. And that it doesn't even stay at you because then you'd be one among many. But then that, spe- that you gets crowned a special me, which immediately separates you from all the other you's. Even though right now, in this place, maybe there's 16 you people looking at at what I call me, but they see me as a you. And not one moment in your life are you ever going to see this you as a me. <laughs> you're never going to have you're never going to have that mistake. Yeah? <laughs> never. And if there was 8,000 people here, they basically their whole experience would be proclaiming I'm a you, but I this the mental state says I beg to differ with you, 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 you. This is me. <laughs> this is, I, I'm, I'm a special you. <laughs> Therefore, I have private thoughts. I have private feelings. I know you can't possibly understand me. <laughs> I was in a drug alcohol program for two years because no one could understand the me, <laughs> basically. And uh, they were, they had seen a lot of a lot of me, a lot of yous, just like this you before. And so they gave me a plan of how to help this you stay sober for two years. Now, while they were giving me this information, I kept arguing with them because, I don't you see, it's me? I'm not supposed to be here. These are, I'm not like these other people. But amazingly, I left after two years, and I had to admit 
begrudgingly that my look, my life looked better with them running it than it ever did with me running it. You see, because they had no confusion about what I was, which I was a junkie, clean as day, and they knew exactly how to treat a junkie. Now I took offense at how they treated the junkie because I thought I was a special drug user. <laughs> this is the bondage of self. The bondage of self is the act of being identified as something that you're not. And we may be in a predicament, in a sense, or a seeming dilemma, because where we may think we're starting from may not be where we're starting from. Maybe a mental process has forgotten our inherent condition and now claims everything starts from this alpha and omega point, point me, as this body, but I beg to differ with that. That's not so. So I wanted to read something I've been reading the last few days, because everyone's the new people here. If you can just listen to this, let it run over you. This is from a master called Ramana Maharshi. He's passed away, but I like what he had to say. And this is one of my favorite statements here. And when I was introduced to this idea... It saved me a huge amount of time. A huge amount of time. It says, presupposing... This is beautiful, because when the mental state supposes that you're a someone, it not only supposes it, when it gives that supposition out, it produces a presupposing. So you believe, even though you're an afterthought, the feeling of you is after conscious contact... When you have that feeling of you, it implies you were before, that you are the one that's in conscious contact, which is not true. So here it says it, presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing. Presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing, and then wanting to get salvation for that imaginary thing. You have to start and try to do so through what? The above said four paths of yoga and every other freaking new age thing and every, all the derivatives and all the, all the auxiliary tangential things that have come out of all these paths. It, this is the same fundamental flaw that begins every one of them, which is the presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing. That's the bondage of self. Yeah? And you know how fast it takes for the mental state to produce a sense of self? 500 of a second, supposedly. There's no process or practice here that's ever going to beat that gunslinger of the mental state. You're not going to meditate yourself out of the feeling of being the meditator. You're not going to yogini yourself out of the feeling of being the yogini. Presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing and then wanting to get salvation for that imaginary I, you have to start and try to do so through the above said four paths of yoga. This man was from India, so that was his background. When your practices themselves become a means of giving life to the non-existent thing, how can they destroy it? Uh, yeah, I'll say it all day. <laughs> when your practices themselves become a means of giving life to the non-existent thing how can they destroy it so I'm just saying this is what happened with me 
nobly, honestly, yearnfully, I pursued to try to get out of self, yeah, through things that I was introduced to. And I did it for years, and there was a lot of experiences, a lot of getting better, but nothing radically ever changed, because I was in this template without knowing it. There was a presupposing the existence of this non-existent thing that needed a lot of freaking relief. So, of course, I was motivated to get relief. But I wanted to get relief not from the non-existent thing, but as the non-existent thing, which is an impossibility. So this other master, Huang To, would say beautifully, you can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. In this way, what he's implying, in a sense, is that you may be the Buddha already. And seeking the Buddha would be a way of denying your own Buddhahood by throwing out there on someone else. Yes? This is what happens a lot. This is a mental little fundamental glitch or hiccup that people for ages have caught and they attempt to save us a lot of freaking time and trouble by telling us, like, a, like for me, if, let's say this book. Let's say if you go to a spiritual bookstore. Yeah? Now, you know, cigarettes, they finally passed those laws where they had to have a disclaimer on it. This stuff could kill you, you know? So at least you'd have a warning. I would love to have this sentence in the beginning of every spiritual book and every book about how to get into the moment and every freaking thing else and just have this on the first page as a universal disclaimer. (laughs) Presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing, yes, if the shoe fits, wear it, yeah, then wanting to get salvation for that imaginary thing, you have to start to blah, blah. When your practices themselves become a means of giving life to the non-existent ego, how can they destroy it? All right, bring the book to the cash register and buy it anyway. Yeah? <laughs> yes? You see? It can be dressed, you know, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. You know, this is a pig. And, you know, we, <laughs> you know, patchouli oil, lipstick, whatever. We think if we change the flavor or the formulation, it's going to change this. But it doesn't. This is a fundamental little oomph, like a miscue, that if you, let's say it's just a tiny little miscalibration of your first step, just tiny, like that. It's almost like you still look like you're going in the right direction, yeah, but just a tiny little thing. And then you follow it up with 50,000 steps. After a while, this tiny little thing geometrically progressing is going to go like that. And then maybe you're just, oh, someday, somehow, you know, somehow, whatever. And never looking at the formulation, but actually being a total demonstration of the obsession with self, you blame you for not being a good enough practitioner. (laughs) Instead of questioning the formula. Yeah? It's like a built-in survival in the practices themselves. You'll never question the practices because you're starting from obsession with self, and what happens when you're starting at obsessions with self? The wrongness of that will inevitably be blamed on you. Obviously. This is how it works. So the system knows very well. So here you go. All right, so I'm going to take 50,000 steps. Hey, I'm way out there. What do we think? i got to get 50,000 more steps. If I do more, 
I'll correct it. No, but you keep going, 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 going. Yeah? And you're not going to really, you're not going to be able to bear that it may be a total, total bogus investment. So you're going to invest, you're going to identify as the practitioner. And so when someone comes and offers you maybe a real valid solution, you would think that you would run with open arms, but you've got 20 years on a pillow. You go, hey, wait a minute. I've got to question this. This is going to make everything I thought I did and was irrelevant. Hey, that doesn't look like a solution to me now. We have an example with uh, recovery. I'm in AA, you know, program recovery. And there's a statement in there. It's beautiful. I have a story I'm going to use now. So it says, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty. Very simple. Being convinced that self, this this sense of being, this I would call selfing, this activity, yeah, manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. It's a beautiful statement because it's separating the two. We're the us, yes, and there's a self. It's like a foreign installment. To me, it's like a parasitical movement, just like any parasite. It doesn't have a life. It needs the life of the host to have a life. And this is what the parasite of of the selfing does. It jacks into the thought system and talks as if it's you. And now you live a life based on it instead of seeing it as foreign. It's always written into all your plans. So when you want to be free, you want to be free as that. And that's still bondage. You see? It's tricky. So, all right. Self manifested in various ways. Various ways is what has defeated us. We will look at self's common manifestations. Selfing. It's just selfing. It's an activity. And then in recovery, which is the biggest thing people have in, in alcoholism is resentments, which is that kills more alcoholics than anything else. Having, a, having an anger and a, a re-feeling of past offenses people did to you. Yeah? It says, all right, being convinced that self-manifested words, what is the few does, we'll now look at some of its manifestations, resentment. So we look at resentment. But most people, when they look at resentment, they call it my resentment. Or when they look at fear, they call it my fear. So they're identifying, right at that very moment, by that statement, they're in the act of identifying with self-expressions, claiming it to be theirs. That's the bondage of freaking self. If you can't see it as foreign, you won't be able to tend to tame being free from it. You have to, this is what we do at these talks over and over again. We're just attempting to initiate the mind to picture this thing as something foreign so that you don't call it your bud, you know, or dude, or whatever. Like they say, the ego is not your amigo, you know what I mean, whatever you call it. And this isn't ego either, though, because if you have, if you talk about ego, when people talk about it, they talk as if they had an ego. That feeling of being the one who has the ego is the bondage of self. Because it will still be the same feeling if that one loses the ego. It'll still still be a sense of the one who lost it and the one who has it. This is really where the bondage is. Everything else, it's not thought that binds you. It's my thoughts. My. The act of being identified as a thinker or the thought about allows you to be defeated by thought. Over and over again. And if you don't see the exact nature of the wrong, the wrong will continue. It'll just migrate and threaten, mutate. And by the time you'll be calling it you for so long, you'll never be able to take a breath free from the freaking thing. 
So here, we use this thing. All right, there's a guy who has a... Did I use this the other night? I don't think so. The guy has a really nice lawn. It's a beautiful house, a nice lawn, and a porch. We use it at when I do AA things, AA workshops, because they get it. So, so this guy has a beautiful lawn, and he runs around in the morning with no shoes on in the morning dew, and he has picnics there and lawn bowling tournaments. His life has a lot to do with this lawn, you know. He meets a lot of people there. He holds marriages there and stuff. No divorces, but the marriages at the back. And so one day he jumps off his porch to walk around in the morning dew and he steps in some shit, you know. So he goes, oh, what this? And he looks at this. So he gets up and he cleans it off and immediately his life gets smaller. Now he's got to wear shoes, right, to tolerate the shit. And then he starts walking around and he sees there's a lot of shit on the lawn. And he starts smelling it and it smells like fucking shit. Yeah? So he goes, all right, he says, this is what, most, what I would do. He just goes in and closes the door and says, I'll just forget about it for a few hours, see what happens. So in the afternoon he goes out there and there's even more shit. So what does he do? He fucking, he just goes in, he pulls the curtains down, and then he gets these yearnings to buy pictures of lawns, and he's watching the Kentucky Derby, the bluegrass of Kentucky, and then he's t- bitching about it to his friends, and his friends have the same problem. I used to have this great lawn, I can't use it all anymore, there's shit everywhere. So they start having meetings, and they're talking about, you know, once having lawns, and I hope I have a lawn, and I'd really like to have that bowling tournament one day, and... But, you know, there's too much shit on there. So he's all complaining, and then this guy shows up that one of me and say, hey, I think I have a solution. You go, wow, what is it? You're totally avid. You want a solution. He says, get a pooper scooper. So, all right, you get a pooper scooper, and you're picking it up pretty good, but there's still a lot of shit. And it seems like you can't get it clean enough before more shit shows up. So then you use two pooper scoopers. And then you're sharing at these meetings about, hey, it's going pretty good. I... Yesterday I had four by eight feet piece for an hour clean of shit. And oh yeah, how do you do it? Uh, get the pooper scoopers and then you show them and you put a little video out how to do it. And then suddenly you buy some scoopers and you have autographed models and now you're a circuit speaker. You're going to places talking about, oh yes, I found out how to deal with a lot of shit on the lawn. I can pick it up. You can buy this thing. I've got this special attachment. <laughs> you got little jackets with your little business name on it. And so you got it going on. It looks like you got a solution. Yeah? But there's still a lot of shit. So one day a guy comes in and says, hey, I heard you have a problem. You go, I don't have a problem. Right now, you you know, your next book's coming out, you know. You know. <laughs> one day you may be free from shit. Who knows? And you know, you got a big book signing. You're, there's a lot of investment in being the guy who can deal with shit. So the guy goes, hey, I heard you have a problem. I don't have a problem. He says, well, whatever. Find the fucking dog. What? And you would think you would run right to that solution, but he's invested, his mental state, which he's identified as, is invested in being that circuit speaker. He doesn't want to hear this solution, because it negates his solution, which is part of the problem. But the fucking thing, find the dog. The dog is the source of shit. There goes the shit. Put away the scoopers. It's all done. Take off the jacket. Take off your shoes. Run around the lawn. Just find the dog. But if you if you love the dog, if you are the dog, how can you fucking imagine getting rid of you? It's impossible. Your head will not go there. Your head can entertain freedom, but it's being defined how it entertains freedom, which is, I want to be free as what I call myself, which is me, which is a body, and that's not going to go free. This is the dilemma. 
this is the point that he's talking about. So he goes here. How to perform? What is goes? So he goes to try to destroy the, this this thing by practices other than self inquiry, which I can talk about later if you like. It's it's the least offensive possible thing to do, really. Only self-inquiry can reveal the truth that this, this imaginary thing has no existence whatsoever. So here goes. This part. Oh yeah, this is good. So it goes... When you're trying to get rid of this imaginary thing through practices, it's just like a thief trying to turn himself into a policeman to catch the thief who is none other than himself. <laughs> it's such a beautiful statement, man. When this hit me and dawned on me, the mind has an incredible ability to expand at a drop of a hat. If it hears the right thing, it can really open up. And every time I read this, and this has been years since I was interested in this, it does the same thing. It's like an avalanche of sense, felt, sense feltness comes over me. Of, of yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and so this is what I've been entertaining for years. You know? It's the last answer. I haven't needed or looked for anything else after this. Because without this in place... Like they have a thing we talked about yesterday, the Eightfold Noble Path of Buddhism. You ever hear that? Well, there's the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism, where he talks about suffering, what's causing the suffering, desire, and then so on and so forth. Well, the Eightfold Noble Path is about correction of that. So he says, if you look at it linearly, it says right view, right livelihood, right meditation, right understanding, right, right, right. I don't know all of them. And when you're in sense of self, you're going to believe that if I do enough of this and I understand enough of that, that will produce the right view. But really, it's the right of the view that migrates into the activities, not produced by the activities. Yes? That's why it's first in the linear line. Right view is first. It's not an accumulation of all the other rights you did. It's the actually the right of that migrates into everything else. This is like having the horse in front of the cart instead of looking at life from the whole cart in front of the horse. And you'll know it. The correction is so minor, but the effect is so monstrously large, there'll be a sense of knowing it without knowing it. You'll, like an unspoken yes, and then it just vibrates. And you're on to something, yes? And then whatever your seat assignment, maybe your seat assignment is going to be a meditator, but you'll be meditating quite loosely. <laughs> because you'll wear a seat assignment loose like loose garments. Because this is like a seat assignment. It's not, this chair isn't engraved with my name on it. When the musical music goes on in life, we all get up and then you walk until the music stops. And I've just been stopping at the same chair for a while. But it doesn't mean this is what I do. This is just a doing. The only reason why I can come to all these talks is because I never showed up. Never. And while it's happening, I can't make anything out of it because it's more like a vacuum than anything else. You become absent, and then the presence is obvious. And yet, so then, the absence comes back up and says, I want to have some of that presence, but then it seems impossible to catch because the presence seems absent when you're present. 
And we want to see if we can get the timing just right. We want to we want to get we want to be there to get it, or we want to experience our own absence. You can't. You lose interest in self, and then you gain interest, and you'll see what you gain interest in. But you can't gain interest without through self without being interested in self. Every time interest is claimed and directed by self, the self is getting most of that fucking interest. The meditation isn't getting getting interest. The meditator. It's being formed every moment of doing the action as the actor. The mental state is always inferring, presupposing, assuming, implying that there's a someone there. It comes after the fact, but when you buy it, it feels like you were before all the facts. It doesn't play it doesn't play the game of time like we seem to have to do. It switches. It's something that comes later that implies it was before. So conscious contact is the event here, then the mental process says, "Oh, I'm I'm somewhere around this. Oh, I'm doing that." So there's the fe- then the feeling of you doing it comes later, but that feeling causes you to feel like you were before, therefore I'm the one who's conscious. Which you're not. If the I'm the one whose conscious is the body, you're not. Have you seen a dead body? The body's still there. It ain't conscious. It'll save you time. That's the whole point. And then if you, like, if I want to meditate or sit down, I don't have a calendar of, I don't have, like, a calculator to combine, you know, how many hours of meditation. That's just what was appropriate that time. It's usually most more for the body and the brain than anything else. It's not for what I am. My, I can't, I can't see better. You know. All right. Isn't seeing? Have you ever? When you wake up and you feel like you've been really far away, but as soon as you wake up, <laughs> it's not like you wake up and there's you know no you. You can feel it pushing against your eyelid. You're awake all the time. The eyelid goes like this, but this thing doesn't sleep. The consciousness doesn't go, oh, the shades are down. You know? No. The only time it totally vanishes is in deep sleep, when it full, truly goes to its home. And then it gets rest to put up with this shit every day. <laughs> this place is exhausting. Jesus Christ, me, me, me all day. Jesus. It's so boring. So you see, like, they're seeing, hearing. If I I could swear, I could take a vow, I'm never going to see a bird again, and it would be broken as soon as I went outside. (laughs) Because a bird would fly by and they would be seeing it. Yeah? Or people always say, I didn't want to feel that. See, the, the didn't want to feel it comes after the feeling. The feeling already happened, and then there's their response. But the response held as being you implies you were there before the feeling, and for some reason then you assume that you could have controlled it because somehow you're the feeler. <laughs> it's so like when someone runs. When someone runs, you stop, don't you? You don't run all day. You stop, and there's a recognition. I stop. Or, you know... You're pushing this, you push, and then just stop pushing. But you're thinking about shit that happened 30 years ago. 
the thinking never calls it off, does it? Oh, I just scored enough. That's it. All right, let's move on to the next topic. No, it just goes back like a forensic, you know, evidence team. And if I wouldn't have said that, I'd still be with her. And of course, if I was still with her, it would be great. There's tons of assumptions. For what reason? To make you feel really shitty that you said that thing, which you never said anyway, back there 30 years ago. And all it is is like, it either gets a reflection close up or really far away. And it's all about you. There's a solution. The solution is prior to the whole problem. It's when you take yourself as an afterthought, that's the biggest problem. And then you seem to have a lot of problems that you think are based on tons of other shit. But the really, the solution is prior to the problem. And from the solution's point of view, the problem is an activity. There's no reality to it other than the reality we breathe into it. Without us believing it, it doesn't have much effect. Yeah? So the bondage isn't like something, all right, I'm bound and I've got to work out, out of this knot. There, all that, that working out out of the knot is also a knot. Yeah? And then, then the next of working out of the second knot is also a knot. Yeah? It's prior. If you see it, not look from it, but if you see it, you'll see it's a manufacturing and you do not have to keep the light and the energy on that factory. You can lose interest in it for one, uh, one incredibly good reason. It's not about you. It's about a you, but you're not that you. That's the freedom. It's like if I was here and we were having another meeting there, and there was a pretty woman who I wanted to meet that was leading that meeting. And to my mental state, this means nothing. She means a lot, because I haven't even talked to her, but I have an idea I'm going to have two kids with her and, you know, everything else. She doesn't even know who I am. So my head is keenly interested. She means a whole lot more than salvation and anything else or awakening, enlightenment. Gives a hell. She'll make me feel a lot better than that. So I'm supposed to be doing this talk, and I, people are noticing I don't seem to really be here, you know? And, and they tell me, hey, Paul, what's going on? You're here. Being and I say, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm not, I am not in control. The mental state has sent its little fledglings in there. Let's see what she has to say. Because I'm hoping she'll say, hey, I like that guy, Paul. You know? Because that, well, then I'll run into her at the coffee. Oh, okay, you want to go out? Yeah, come on. <laughs> we teach the same thing. Let's go. We're made in heaven, non-dual heaven. Yeah. So, so, yeah, she's doing that. So, so then my friends see me, or people, and they go, man, you're really spaced out. So they bring a book up to the desk, and they say, the book is How to Lose an Interest in a Conversation in Another Room. So I page through it, like the principles, but it still doesn't have any sway over this. Because there's an assumption I could control this. I can't control it. Yeah? So what happens is, I finally hear her, and she says, I really like that guy, Matt. And my name's not Matt. What happens? Oh, I lose interest. No, I lose interest in that conversation in the other room because it's not about me. That's the exact same thing that happens up here. When you see this is not about you, you will lose interest in it. I guarantee you. Because if someone else was coming over to my house complaining about what's not happening, which I'm not feeling, tasting, touching, I know I'm going to have cancer, but do you? No, but I'm going to. But do you? No, I'm going, you know. I'd be bored stiff in a minute. But the same thing I've been listening to for 40 years because it's about me. The act of being identified is the Petri dish which allows everything else to grow out of it. 
It's like that thing with the rug and the turkey. There's new people, so I use it because it's a nice way of describing it. So here I am. I'm going to Turkey. Beautiful place. Istanbul. They have this lovely area called the uh, Sophia and the Blue Mosque. And this guy, a very well-dressed guy, comes up and becomes a volunteer tourist for me and a couple of people. And he's showing us around. He knows a whole lot. He lives there. And then he brings us to this building and then he, he opens the door, he says, go on in. And then I, you never see him. And when you walk in, it's a big rug factory. You know, they make Turkish rugs there. A very big product in Turkey. And so the guy says, do you want apple juice or Turkish coffee? And come on, sit down, sit down. So I order apple juice. And then they come out, and all these other guys come out with rugs, and they're throwing them around, and it's the light is being caught on the rug. They're beautiful. And they're throwing this. But you see, I'm sitting there, and it, it goes on for four hours, five hours. As long as you show any interest, they'll have you there with the coffee and the apple juice. But the thing is, I was traveling around the world. You know? So all these rugs, they looked really beautiful, but I didn't have a flaw. I didn't live anywhere. You know? I, it gave me an incredible immunity to all the advertisements because it was some, I don't have a floor to put the rug down. And they were telling me, well, we can fold it up so it's so small you can put it in your backpack. I said, give me a break. I'm going to Thailand next. I don't want to have a Turkish rug in my backpack. So no matter how incredibly inventive and creative the advertisement was, one primary condition wasn't in place was I have no flaw. This is what selfing is. Selfing produces a dance floor for all the other tap dancing going on in the head. Without that floor, there is no show. Look at the center of the system, self-centeredness, and see if you're that. And if you're not that, then the system itself will lose. You'll lose. It will lose speed because it's your juice that's running it yeah thoughts have never driven anyone crazy but my thoughts ruin our days yes no one's written a book about feelings but my feelings they've written tons of books about yes it's simple but it's so so freaking just freaking pragmatic because what happens is let's say if i had an uh uh if someone, when I was born, put a hand on my shoulder, and it's been there the, my whole life, yeah? I wouldn't know that it was there, would I? If I hadn't witnessed it, I would just feel this was the condition of my shoulder. And I would have to get different shirts with longer sleeves for the right, and, you know, I'd have a huge story about why this is the way it is, but I really don't have any idea. Then one day, after 30 years, the hand lifts. As soon as the hand lifts, I know it was a hand, Yeah? As soon as it's off the shoulder, by its absence, I know that was what was driving me crazy, was a hand. Or just like the idea of gravity. We were at Mixes today, and we were at Greenleaf, and all of Oregon, not one person, I guarantee, was talking about the effects of gravity on themselves today. If they went up a, a, a big hill, they were complaining about the hill. Yes? If they had, if they had, they had to carry something really heavy, they were complaining about that thing. But that wasn't what was troubling them, is gravity. And the only way, and then you could study gravity all you freaking want, but you really, if you really want to know what gravity is, go into an anti-gravity chamber, and that by its absence, you'll know what gravity is. This is exactly what it's like. When you, when you have a little relief from the selfing, you'll realize the selfing. <laughs> you'll realize that's the root of the seeming dilemma. And in that realization, the true, true possibility arises. 
I'm not that, therefore I can be free of it. And then you see, it's not even a thing, it's an activity. It's an activity that must be followed to produce a wallop. Yeah? Because you and I are the reality. If any of you read The Course in Miracles, it has a great lesson called Lesson 2, and a lot of the book is built on it, that you and I give everything all the meaning it has. Yes? Mm -hmm. This is what this apparatus does. It gives meaning to things. Yep. So, we believe this is giving meaning, but something has given this the meaning. A mental process gave this the meaning of being you. And this is our false starting point. We're taking ourselves to be a body. This becomes our Alpha and Omega. And then we try to make sense of this place from this point of view, and it doesn't freaking make sense to a lot of us. And like it also says in the Course that the brain, which is the mental process, interprets to the body. The brain in the language center takes you to be a body. So when you're thinking about you, you're thinking about you as a body. When you're reflecting about what happened to you years ago through thought, you're pictured as a body. And when you're worried about you in the future, you're worrying about a body. So this man says another beautiful, similar thing to the same statement. And I'll read it. This is what I usually get to after a few days of talking. You know. I've got to prime my own pump. But I love this statement. So simply stated, the problem, which is beautiful, not a problem, not one of many problems, not the 13th problem, the problem. The, the simply stated, the problem is that there is a perception that there is an individual self which wants to extinguish itself so that the state of realization will be revealed. But anything which this individual self tries to do to eliminate itself merely prolongs its own existence. This is what happens. See? I'm sorry to break the news to you. <laughs> but a lot of people think this man was a great doctor of spirit, Ramana Maharshi. Well, this is what, this was his view of it all. You know? So it says here, if one sees spiritual practice as something that one does to attain realization, then there is no solution to this problem. There is no solution because the whole problem stems from the totally false assumption that this individual self has a real existence. Yes? I mean, you go to the oldest scriptures in the world, the Upanishads, the Vedas, and they speak of the same thing. This fundamental flaw is built into the system. Yes? The identification as a self, when you're in it, you don't know you're identified as a self. That's the identification as a self. You assume that this is where you are starting from, and you buy all your maps of anything based on that starting point. Yeah. Because what does, does a map to L.A., does it work unless you know where you're leaving from? You know, for you, for a map to be valid, it doesn't have just to be about L.A. It has to take into consideration where you're leaving from. You've got to get a map about L.A. from Omaha if you're in Omaha. Well, what's happening with us, we're, we're, in, we're in the business of it, and we think the older the map is, the more authentic it is, but it doesn't matter if you're not where you believe you're starting from. Yes? It's gonna, it doesn't matter. You'll be a collector of maps, but you're not going anywhere because you don't know what's going on at the, at the point of when everything's going on.
And if you really know your Omaha, you may not want to go to L.A. <laughs> Seriously. You may not want to go to the Himalayas. It's too hot over there or something. You know, you may not want to. And you know what? It's totally okay. You're not like on a forced spiritual march to arrive somewhere. Everything is seen more as an expression than a way to achieve. Things change with no thought or effort on your part. You just go through a revival without much of anything happening. You just offer the mind a possibility. If it runs with it, it expands on it, and it becomes like a big aha that reverberates for quite a long time, in my case. Yeah? And there's no other point to move from. If this point ain't clear, all the movement is infected by the mistake. Everything's infected. Everything that comes after this is infected by this little mistake. Before it is the solution. But you won't find the solution after it unless this gets to be acknowledged. Because you'll still be looking for the Buddha as the Buddha. You'll still be seeking mind as mind. You can't override your inherent nature. No matter how much you huff and puff and want to believe you're a body, you're not. Nor are you a historical action figure. <laughs> you're not. When you, you know, if you close your eyes, you're not behind a cheekbone. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you close your eyes, you feel like you're like six one and a half. You know, <laughs> this is me. Like they say. In the Bible, it says the kingdom of heaven is within you. If you're body-oriented, it's a small kingdom. There's absolutely no parking. Everyone has to park parallel. <laughs> no, no, you know, there's no space. No, the kingdom of heaven is within you, and everything is within you as what you are. Everything is, in with, is within you. But when we hear it, everything is within you, and you oh, really? Oh, the kingdom of heaven's within me. It's not in you, because you were bad today with me. You know? Everything, gets, everything that comes by gets branded with the selfing brand. You know? and, and in a sense, when it brands something and it says, I know, it's neutered it. It's like taking a glass, a, a glass and then putting it in the river and thinking you captured rivering. It's still water, but there's no movement in it anymore. It's dead, in a sense. If you throw it back, there it is again. Now that's the rivering. But every time you want to claim it and get it, it's not rivering anymore. And he, yeah. <laughs> this is seeing. Our, inha- our inherent nature manifesting here is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting. Touching, yes? Conceiving. And what's conceiving cannot be conceived of. What's hearing cannot be heard. What's seeing cannot be seen. It's not a thing. It's you. You can try to objectify it. If you objectify it, you'll miss it. If you want to keep proclaiming you're the subject, everything you come in contact with is going to be objectified. You're going to think the truth is like something. Or if you hear the word void, it's like a void is like a place in Iowa or something. Void means empty of anything, and yet you can't imagine it without being a thing. Yeah? Because you've now made you, crowned you, not subjectivity, but 
the subject, and therefore you live in a world of objectification. So enlightenment is like something that means cessation of all suffering, and yet how most of us are entertaining it is producing suffering in our heads. Yet its whole definition is cessation of all suffering. And we're using exactly the opposite, and and it's being used to cause suffering. Same thing with presence and awakening. Most people would be so much happier if they never heard of those terms. Because now I'm not awake. <laughs> you know, and somehow it's like you like you soiled your pants. I'm not awake. Like I I should be awake. You know, it's like I did something wrong. I'm not awake, and he must have done something right. And I hate him for it. I, you know, doesn't it? It sounds like somehow you can get it. Awakeness, awakeness, awakeness. Come on in, awakeness. Come in. You know, read these books and blah, blah, awakeness. You know, have a barker like one of those barkers in front. Come on in, see the awakened person. <laughs> Marvel at his spaciousness. <laughs> his loving gaze will put you in a trance. Come in, fifty cents. No, it's not a thing. It's an activity. Awakeness. You know, you're either awake to awakeness or you're, you're awake to the thought system which will cause you to be asleep to the awakeness. That's it. Life will not be lived, it will be interpreted. It's offering all, the t- all day, all day. The mental state has a lot of interruptions because it's, uh, it's in time and then the solution to all of its antics is out of timelessness. So the gunslinger of selfing will beat any process you ever try to introduce to beat it, but it cannot beat the gunslinger of timelessness because then the gun's always out. It never has to be drawn. It doesn't take any time. It, ev- it always loses in the presence of t- absence of time. It's in time it loves to have you there to keep on working and trying and working and trying. It hides the timelessness in the activities of time. But you are not of time. You're an inherent condition prior to all fucking conditions. If you take any experience back, all, all roads lead to here. And this is just this is the, the mental rest area before you get to the real highway. If you can just go through, keep going through, and you'll see, you'll recognize what's hearing must be what I am. Yeah. What's feeling must be what I am. I can't feel it. I can't taste it. It must be what I am. I must be that which is seeing. I must be that which is hearing. Or I, I am the hearing of the hearing. The seeing of the seeing. It's like square zero in a game board, yeah? The mental process produces square three, you as a body, yeah? This is crowned to be the beginning of the game. So now this is the false square zero. So you believe everything is issuing from here and to here, yes? Everything's happening to me and I'm doing everything. I'm seeing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm thinking, blah, 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 blah. All right, (coughs) so let's go. You go to square 33, let's say, with the hopes of finding something. And square 33, your mind cracks open. And what, what's revealed? Square zero. Yes? Wow. Square zero. Yes? Then the square three arises and says, I'm at square zero, which is square three. 
So now you look again for square zero. Now you get the 33, and it's not working. That I got to go for longer retrieves. It's not happening. So now <laughs> you get the square 53, and something cracks open, and what gets revealed? Square zero. Wonderful. But then the, men, the square three arises, and go, oh, you're on square zero. That's square three. As soon as you claim it, all right? Now, all right, now you can't stop at 33. You've done it all. Now you got to get to 80 something. 80. Mine opens, cracks open. Square zero. And then the square three arises, says, hey, I'm at square zero, which is square three. Once it's claimed, it puts it on square three. But what happens is every time you wake up, you're at square zero. All the other squares are appearing in square zero. There's no other square but square zero. And even the square three that keeps claiming itself to be square zero is appearing at square zero. Yeah. The game looks different from that point of view than it does from the false square three. No matter how many times you call it square zero, it ain't square zero. Yeah? Sounds like Groundhog Day. It's like Groundhog Day, exactly. Yes? Yeah. This is like a, like not even looking back. You can't look back. But just sort of taking a step back, you know. See, interest and attention goes out, yeah, here, for experiences and stuff. And then it comes back. Hopefully they get nourished, I would imagine. But what happens is it comes back and it gets stopped at this, like, uh, like a roadblock here in your head. And then there's, a, there's an image of you as the body. So you go, all right, I've been out here all day, and I'm going to go home and go in. But this in is out. This is the brain. This is the body. This isn't in. All you're doing is going into another out. Yeah? So there you're out all day, and then you're going to go home and think about something, and you believe you're going in. But that's not in. That's out. Yeah, so it's like they call it a loop of self-importance. So the interest tension keeps going out, and then it, it has an. It's almost like a homing pigeon. It goes out, does its thing, and then it brings back stuff. Yeah, and then and and then it gets stopped by this billboard without a little happy face on it. So you know, it's 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 trained to go back to you, but the you has been adulterated. The mental process has claimed the you to be the body. So you go back to you, Paul. And you believe this is the in, but it's out. Obviously, you're seeing it. It's the out. So the, it becomes, an, it's almost like the interest tension gets almost neurotic because it can't go back to its source. So it's constantly going out and, in, and it's going out. It's both, they're both out. But if you, allow, if you entertain the possibility you're not that, the interest attention, when it goes back to you, won't stop here. It will go through. It won't stop at the body. Or the, the thoughts won't catch it like a mitt. It will go right through the, the, the openings and, key, and go. And then it goes to where, who knows where, I would say it's source. And then it comes back, and as it goes back out, it, its residue of that, the source drops into you. And you get the nourishment you've been so sorely fucking needing here. Yeah, because as Jesus says, you're in this place, but you're not of this place. And the nourishment we're looking truly for is not in this place. It's from the of. And it's the interest and attention that will bring it back into this in. We are the bringer of the joy, not the gatherer of joy. We are the bringer of love, 
not the getting of love. Yes? But those, that, that delivery can't be completed if, it, if, the car, if the truck gets stopped before it gets to the source. If, you, if it's hitting this, all you, get, all you got is knowing. Conceptual fucking... It's like, you know those, those giant cereal boxes and you open up there's only like one-fifth of the box? It looks like you've got a big box of cereal, but they, they don't even put it even halfway anymore. It's like, about, what the hell? It's like three inches of cereal, but you look at your kitchen, look at all the fucking cereal I have, but you don't really have any cereal. You've got the, you know, it says you have cereal, and that's good enough for me, but there's no cereal in the box. This is sort of what you like. I know, I know all this, but there's no sense feltness. I know, I know what this is, this satsang, yes. This guy's just like some other guy. You know? All right, great. But the knowing nudes it. Nudes it. That's not it. True knowledge is finding out. The finding out of something. That has sense feltness. That has conviction. That has certainty. Not knowing, man. Not knowing. And this is what happens. Interest gets aborted, stopped here. You get the information. Oh, I know this. I know. Oh, that I've had. This rule I don't want. Blah blah blah. And then goes back out. Yes, but it's the, the the juice of it is the is the orbit. It goes back in. Ah, comes out. And you can feel it. You'll feel like a big a big storage unit with the windows are finally opened. So your interest and attention is flowing. Yes, not going to dead bodies all day. Going over dead bodies. Just and now you're like on the pulse of life. Yeah, you can feel alive now, not through some practice now. Yeah, to me, you're the starting point. You're what you've been missing most in your own life is the showing up of you. Are you has showed up? Are you has been presented? Are you has been proclaimed? But you hasn't. You is that silence, you know. You is that that's always available at all times with no requirement necessary. Yeah, that that presence, that sense of spaciousness, that clarity, that very very expanse of space like an open sky. Just see, just see in a humble way if some of this is true to you. If this made sense. Because when it did for me, it's like my spiritual pants fell down. And for some reason, I didn't pick them up. And this is a beautiful thing he explains about this idea. He's talking about surrender or self-inquiry. Self, uh, and self-inquiry was this great master, Ramana Maharshi, he spent a lot of time not saying anything for years and years and years. But it wasn't getting across to the people that were hanging out with him. So the first thing he said after like nine years of silence was his first talk was on this simple old technique they had in the, uh, from the Vedas, which is, who am I? Where you ask a subjective question to the false subject. So when... And not about, it's not about whatever the subject is talking about. Like if you're worrying about next week... It has no opinion on the worrying about next week. That's not the target. The target is, well, who is it that's worrying about next week? Just ask. 
You know, it's like a wrench in the works. And then what will happen is the mental state we may hiccup for a second and go me, and then you go, well, who is this me? And from where does it arise? And you put it to the, you put the subjective, the subjectiveness on the dime, you know, question it, see if it's so. You don't, you've been, it's all been assumed and implied and inferred, but you have you ever really got a sense of that thing? And what is that thing so busily trying to talk to while it's going off in your head? Doesn't it sound like it's trying to convince someone up there sometimes? I know with me as a drug addict, when you didn't want to do drugs, then the head would just be on you all day. Well, fucking come on, it sucks, it's never going to get better. Who is it talking to? Literally, who's it spending all that attention? I mean, who is it? And I remember this event I had in Bali. And it doesn't have to be in Bali. This was just a beautiful setting. But something was displaced for a period of time. And then I was sitting there like a little kid just doing what, you know, just whatever. I don't even know what. But my girlfriend was there and a kid, which was, it was nice to have a witness. And then there was a rock and I felt like I heard a voice behind the rock. And I was sitting there. I didn't know who it was or anything. And I was just sitting there. And then it started talking to me. And as it, and then it seemed to move closer. It got more. The volume went up very incrementally. And I was just... Ah, da, da, da. And then it, after a while, it was talking to me. And then it started to sound like me, you know, these vocal cords. And the whole, I could see the rebirth of the selfie. It was unbelievable. And then it hit a point where it stopped talking to me and started talking as me. Yeah. And then the event seemed to stop. <laughs> as soon as it showed up, there went the epiphany. <laughs> I had one now, but I wasn't in one. I had an epiphany. I could go home to my spiritual mantle and put like a big game head and put it up there. I had this huge epiphany in Bali, 1978. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> I called the 800 number for epiphanies. So. Yeah. Yes. Uh, has there any been a bigger one in four hours last weekend? I think I got the biggest one. It must mean fucking something. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> But that whole thing, for most people who are addicts, they really are very familiar with this voice that's talking, sounding like you, but it's spending a lot of time trying to convince you to sort of go along with a plan, so to speak. But as soon as it convinced you, it speaks as you for the rest of the time. So instead of thinking, I'm going to go to 7-Eleven, come on, go to 7-Eleven, buy a beer. You're just going to 7-Eleven. There's no more debating going on. Well, this is the self thing. What is it talking to? It's very aware that there's something there. You may not be, but it is. Or wouldn't be paying all this fucking time trying to convince it. Yeah? So, whatever. That's the message. <laughs> you know, you don't need a lot of it. You really don't. All you need, it's like, you know, here you are on turns, and it's just a certain leaning. You start leaning a certain way, because life, you're going to be going on turns. You start leaning a certain way. You're not making a left or a right. You're not getting off the road. You just lean a certain way. Instead of leaning this way, there's a leaning now that way. And then see how you travel. Yeah? And I'll tell you, all your plans and designs will get reshuffled. You know? They will. Because all the reasons that are really... Like, why most people are doing something is really a moving away from something else. So if that moving away is addressed, what you thought you loved and was moving towards may change. You know, it can be a small review or a big 
a big reshuffling, but something will change because your interest isn't... Most people are moving away, not moving towards. The story is all we're all into and towards, but there's a moving away from. If that's dismissed, you may not be moving towards what you used to move towards. There'll be no necess- there won't be any necessary thing to do for it. You know, you'll be responding to the appropriate condition of okayness. Yeah? Instead of living under those fire, five alarm si- sirens all day, you'll just be chilled out. With no thought or effort on your part, and you won't be chilled out. That's the good news. You can't make anything out of this. If you make something out of it, it's not it. It's as simple as that. So, that's it, eh? That's enough. Any questions? So many questions. It's only one minute window of questions. That's it. That's it. <laughs>